A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Yeah, so I mentioned the he was casted partly because of the height difference between uh, Scar- him and Scaramanga. Did you know that the two Christopher Lee can speak pretty much every language in the world? Apparently, and he, he he could speak fluent French. So him and him and Nick Knight got on like a storm. Apparently on on set. So that's quite funny. And Swedish as well. Apparently, yes. And yeah, that apparently he was engaged to. I think it was either like a Swedish countess or someone when he was younger. And it, she was in the royal family anyway, Christopher Lee, and he called the engagement off. They called uh, because he thought the acting profession is not stable enough for someone like you. You don't. You deserve to be with someone greater than me or something. This is you know when it was all completely polite and you know the decorum and all that. So yeah, he he could speak fluent Swedish. So with both of the leading ladies being Swedish, that was great as well. So. I, I read that he learned these languages because he had a brief career in the British Secret Service or something. Yes, he did. Which is... Re- what? It's massive. I, we will get on to Christopher Lee later. We, I mean, we could do a whole episode on him, couldn't we, basically? He's a yeah, fascinating yeah. guy, isn't he? Yes. Oh, we'll be, we'll be playing that. I think Rob will appreciate <laughs> that. Yeah, back to Nick Knack. Anyway, he's he's a boring person, isn't he? He's, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, like you said... Uh, I think Stephen said that he loved partying all night in Thailand when they were on set there, arriving at set hungover, and then sleeping through most of the day. <laughs> yeah, get your big break, and then that's your attitude. What? He's quite an odd guy. He had a farm apparently at his house in LA. Loads of animals running around. I think he had sort of real problems growing up, obviously as a, as a midget, and then with bullying. And he had he helped quite a lot of people through personal problems, and he had a charity set up. But then, of course, in the end, he did kill himself, uh, Herve Villachez. Uh, he, he said he, he left a note saying he was suffering from health problems because apparently his internal organs were oversized and they were putting pressure on his body, his, his body so much that he had, he had to sleep in a kneeling position, apparently. Awful, yeah. So 
I think it was almost it was more that rather than you know he was so fed up with his life and all that. Yeah, it went into the bit of that in my dinner with Hervé, but yeah, a bit disappointing. The the truth is uh, stranger than fiction usually, uh, certainly with these <laughs> these guys. So yeah, we've heard his we've heard his pop career. The the other the other one of the other main characters in the that were introduced to is Andrea Anders in the opening scene, and it was um, Guy Hamilton who met her in New York, and he he said he cast her due to her elegance and beauty. Saying that he saw her as the perfect Bond girl, and obviously she'd go on to play Octopussy later, and she's brilliant again, brilliant in both. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll talk about her more as we go along. Just finishing off the opening scene, it ends, doesn't it, with uh, Scaramanga shooting off the fingers, and then the right, we're there, we're onto the theme tune, lads, and the title sequence. <laughs> the way it starts is just so iconic to me. Those those notes, those da 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 da. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the... Uh, chew me. The, is, is it chew me? Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. So. Well, her doing that, you know, with the hand and the sort of... Well, water, because obviously she's in water later. So I, I find that such an iconic opening. I would be able to... T- I would have been able to tell you that, you know, every day. What's it going to do with water? Maybe islands? Yeah. I don't know. There's quite a few, um, as uh, Partridge <coughs> says, clantily scad um, women. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, uh, There's the a story opening. about one of them that's absolutely hilarious. Yeah. Have you have you read I this? Read Chris? <laughs> oh, I can't wait for this. <laughs> I, don't well, I don't know. Well, I'm going to. We've <laughs> <laughs> already had some swearing stuff. So. Yeah, it's going to be yeah. explicit. No, it can be done without swear words, thankfully. But um, yeah, apparently, and then, and this is if it's the same story, Chris. I don't know. There might be more, but apparently there was trouble. Apparently, Morris Vinder was having trouble with one of the nude models because. Her um, her pubic hair kept sticking out. I think in the in the silhouette, her pubic her pubic hair kept being too visible. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. So um, they tried to sort of flatten it with a brush and a comb. Kept trying, and it wouldn't stay down. Um, <laughs> so eventually, they had to um, apply apply loads and loads of Vaseline to uh, to smooth it down and Vaseline. flatten it so that. Yeah, yeah, because um, clearly they certainly weren't sh- prepared to shave it by the sounds of it, but they had to get heaps of Vaseline on to uh, flatten it, and then she was good to go, and <laughs> apparently <laughs> Roger Moore and Saltzman there on set absolutely howling away at this whole this whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why they are yeah, there right. on set for the title sequence, that's something that can be done without them. But yeah, that, I mean, is that the, what you're hearing as well, Chris? That was the same story, yes. Yeah, yeah. That's a relief. So now the, the challenge is to kind of look for any hairs out of place when you, uh, when you, watch, it, <laughs> when you watch it again. Now. <laughs> well, there's enough nudity anyway. Lads, you won't go home empty-handed. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty outrageous, really. Again, this is very sad and possibly very niche. I saw that... Uh, Licensed to Queer had done an article, or not him, I think, for his website, about object sexuality. Possibly, yeah, it was about Goldfinger. And he's, he's like in love with gold, and he's, he's obsessed with that more than any man or woman or whatever. And in this opening, this is the, I have, there is a point to this. Um, <laughs> in the title <laughs> sequence, there is the, there's like so much fingering of the gun, isn't there? And we get it later on, sort of stroking Andrea <laughs> Anders. It's like the gun is a. Is it a sexual metaphor? <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is. Yes, it's very phallic. 
Yeah. I don't think you need a, a bachelor's degree in psychology. Good. Right, right, right. Good. Yeah. It wasn't just me. Um, yeah, we've got the Golden Gun there, so we're 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 obviously quite. We don't see an awful lot of it in the pre-title sequence. We see it properly when he uh, kills High Fat. So again, we're, that's something we'd oh, love to see more of that, and we do. Or from the UDC, Dancing with Fireworks, for some reason in the background, I picked up that shot. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's still Morris Binder at this stage. St- Stephen, are you, would you fairly standard Morris Binder? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, can't really fault them. They are iconic, and they, some of them stand the test of time. I, I always find it interesting learning about Morris Binder and the behind the scenes of how much of a nightmare he sounds to work with. And John Glenn said notoriously, you know, he'd, he'd be the night before he'd get it from Morris Binder, and then you know they'd be they'd be waiting to put the film out, and Morris Binder would say, you know what, I've got another version, I've redone it. You're gonna you're gonna use this one now. So by, by all accounts, he was a bit difficult, but. I, I, I'm not so much of a Bond geek I could tell you which is my I don't have a favourite Morris Binder credit sequence don't know if any of you guys do quite crisp sort of laser guns in A View to a Kill are quite nice aren't they yeah, well, yeah. sort of the, the, the silhouette yeah when, he, yeah. Yeah. When, he, when it's actually tied into like the plot or the theme mm, yes. of the film that's when it works I think sometimes it is just Oops. nipples and silhouettes <laughs> you know the usual kind of stuff and that's what makes uh, for me that it's not Apart from the caressing of the gun, it's not very memorable, is it? You know, in terms of of all the title sequences, it's, it's you know, it's. it's Apart fine. from that opening shot, I would. I would yeah, say. yeah, yeah. Going back yeah. to that, Roger Moore isn't in it. He's in most of them, isn't he? Like swinging on the gun and all this sort of yeah. stuff. You can always tell it's Roger as well. You know, you can tell oh, his silhouette comes yeah. in. Yeah, the passing turns so around. And... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only Roger has to be slow motion. So maybe he was on set. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but what did it now? So, in terms of the actual song, we've talked a bit about John Barry. We said of the score and the song, it's the one I hate the most. It just never happened for me. I mean, can you imagine if you were that good? If that was Christian Burnham. I quite like it. Uh, I know that's an unpopular opinion amongst yes. many Bond fans, but I quite like it in a lot of ways. I think the lyrics aren't great at all, and I think there's a lot of smut in them. <laughs> But what I do like about it, I love the brass, I love the energy of it, I love the fuzzy guitar line in the in the verse, and I think it sounds really good. I think one of the issues I have with it is, is that I can see why John Barry says he's not a massive fan of it, because whilst I actually really like the song, look at what comes before. Every single song before is of such a high quality. You go from Dots and No theme tune, obviously, and then... From Rush We Love, Goldfinger, Thunderball, You Only Live Twice, Diamonds Are Forever, Majesties, and Live and Let Die. The song quality of them is so high. This is probably the one that I like the least of up to that point. But that's not to say it's not good. It just shows the high standard of Bond song. I think it is important to compare it to the what's gone before it. Because when I was listening to it this time, I couldn't help but think how important live and let die the song is kind of for the series because everything before that had been quite ballad based really and you know a slower tempo but then live and let die kind of changed things quite a lot in terms of the style but the switches in tempo and i think you could almost apply the blueprint of live and let die to the man with the golden gun song in terms of you've got fast racing parts and then it breaks down for a slow part and then it comes for a like a dramatic end where everything intertwines and comes together and i think it's like a the the next version of live and let die which which uh, you know live and let die is a, an influence 
but it'd be very hard to make a, a recreate the the magic of the song of Live and Let Die. From that point on, from Live and Let Die, the options for what Bond songs could be opened up quite a lot. So comparing Man with the Golden Gun with the Connery Bond songs is, you know, it's, it's, you couldn't imagine a song like that on any of the Connery ones at all, but only because of what happened with Live and Let Die, you've got all these options now, I think. I do like the song. I've, just before we start recording this, I just had a listen to it, and it's it takes you straight there. It takes you straight into the film. It, you know, it's got a sound of its own. I think my, I, I struggle with Lulu's delivery of Love is Required whenever he's hired. It's a little bit sort of cabaret and, you know, karaoke. Like, Love is Required. It's, it goes a little bit daft and sort of really doesn't take itself seriously enough um, compared to the rest of the song. That part's a bit daft, but I think in the evolution, like John said, the evolution of Bond songs, it's, it's very interesting to see how it fits. Yeah, a bit like with, um, we said in the Octopussy episode, the actual theme when it's used slowly is so beautiful. It does have that bit, and we'll come to the end titles when it starts with the, the strings and everything. It's, it's the same tune as the Levish. It's just unbelievable, isn't it? How you can shift that so much. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think I agree with Lula. It's a bit bit much, isn't she? She's obviously got a great voice, but perhaps a little bit, bit you know, lemon to stupid at times, almost, the, the vocal. I think you're right, John. I think it's probably the weakest up until that point. Still really good. And it ends brilliantly, doesn't it? Which is so bomb. Um, I'm a big fan of the song. It's energetic, it's catchy, it's upbeat. And for me, when it comes to a Bond song, I ask the question, does it make me want to hear the film? You know, if I'm if I'm listening to the tunes and I hear it, and as soon as I hear the song, I think, yeah, I want to watch The Man with the Golden Gun. It's, um, I love the bit at the end when she's, you know, she's just really going for it. He'll shoot anyone. Yeah, <laughs> she's yeah. totally going for it. Exactly. I, think, I think, yeah, I'm in the mood for a bit of Roger now. Well, I mean... <laughs> when are you not in the mood for a bit of Roger? <laughs> I was, um, yeah, so I was talking to this young um, Bond fan called Andrew Roffey, really sort of articulate young lad, and he was saying that he thought that for him, Roger, he associated Roger with ballads. And I can absolutely see that because um, nobody does it better. It's, it's, it's pretty much the essential Roger song, isn't it? It's like Roger's unofficial theme tune. Um, but I, I really like songs like this and Living Let Die and A View to Kill, you know, the, the upbeat ones. He made a really good point that. When it comes to A View to a Kill, it was just too upbeat for old Roger. You know, when you hear the A View to a Kill song, it makes you think of like a young fit man and then you get that barnstorming theme tune and then you get kind of older Roger. But with The Man with the Golden Gun, you've got this really sort of barnstorming, upbeat Lulu banger and you do get young Roger. I, I would say age-wise, this is probably peak Roger. It's not my favourite performance, but his age in this film, I think he's just spot on. Slightly too young and living that die, but I think he looks his best in this film. It's amazing, isn't it? Because he's still late forties, isn't he? Living that die, <laughs> you know, <laughs> incredible. Well, maybe yes, maybe mid forties, maybe. Like I was saying before about the how bold the production and the ideas and the creativity were. I think if you could, can you picture them having the balls to do a song like this for a new Bond film? Something that pushes boundaries as much as this. I'm not saying you know. That it's another um, way to die. Carry this, on. <laughs> well, I think that try, I think in some ways that did try actually, um, but I think there's, there's so much bravery about some of these songs and um, unashamedly as well. There's the stuff that it comes up with. It's not ashamed of itself at all. Fellow Scott, of course, Stephen Lulu. That's true. Yes. In terms of the background behind it, 
Saltzman, his people, apparently they wanted Elton John or Cat Stevens. <laughs> yeah, Cat and Elton John. Doing a, I keep saying I've said that before. Be, I think be quality. Oh well, yes, um, if you can get him, of course. It'd be a bit unusual, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, enough, he we saw Elton John live, didn't we? And Lulu supported him. Yeah. Yes, um, that's true. Yeah, yeah. And she did man with the golden gum, did she? Did she do man with the golden gum? I think, like John said, she's distanced herself. I don't know. Yeah. Right, right, Harry. <laughs> that, that was a debut song. Shout. Who who wrote the song? Obviously, everyone remembers it. So what, year hard. <laughs> what year? Uh, what, what year? What year would that be? I think the original song was 1950, late 1950s, but her version was, you know, 60s. So who, what, who wrote the original Who wrote the song, yeah. Oh, they only had to have, like, hit singles in America in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s. Yes. Well done. <laughs> Underrated, though, yeah. that, isn't it? Very good. Don't yeah, know how well amazing. we see it. I've no I idea did, how, how well loved possibly, the Isaac Brothers yeah. are. No idea. In England, no idea. Chris said earlier that he's a massive... Well, he really likes this song, so I want to hear him... Use oh, yeah, it. no. We will hear from Chris, my word. Saying before about that, like mentioning how like daring the opening scene is and the fact that it really keeps you on your toes and you don't know what to expect. For it to then go into the song, which is a proper barnstorming, you know, really grabs you, whether you like it or not, whether it's to your taste. It is like a full on, you know, and then in, in in some ways, you know, that's a criticism, particularly of Lulu's delivery, where it is a bit kind of pub singer esque at times. <laughs> it is a great, I, 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 I genuinely, and 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 what also love that the fact that that theme is all the way through the film dropped in and changed, and it's never it never sound it repeats it a lot, but it's never comes, it's never boring. And so, like you say, when you hear that song, you just think of the scenes and how Barry kind of adapts it and changes it for, for, for the setting. Suddenly it's the same theme, but suddenly it's much more kind of romantic or it's, it's, there's more drama or there's the action. Obviously, the lyrics is something else, you know, like you always say. It is, man, I, I don't know... What was going on with Don Black, but he must have been really horny when he wrote it. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Uh, and that's the only thing I, I say that that's it is it's a shame because you know, and, and there are some great lyrics in there. Because I remember that there's something about with um oh, what is it? An assassin something an assassin crouched on a rooftop to somewhere yeah. in the next room or this very one. Which yeah. is a great, because as a kid, I remember thinking that makes Scaramanga even more kind of dangerous because he could be here, you know, and you wouldn't know it. Um, but so yeah, crisp. Um, lyrics, a bit of a thumbs down, but I think it's a proper kind of really grabs your theme. I think it's great. I don't know if any, did any of you, sorry, who are, who are fathers here, did any of you watch The Tiger came to see around Christmas time with your young ones? And there's, there's a, a Robbie Williams song in that. Um, and the lyrics are by Don Black. It was like, what? Wow. Yeah, it's still exactly. going. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's going strong. Well, he did the lyrics to The World Is Not Enough. That was his last contribution to the Bond canon. So, yeah. Obviously, this song is not talking about James Bond, is it? Talking about the man with the gold. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And also, Gold, Goldfinger was about him. About yeah. Goldfinger, wasn't it? Um, the world is not enough, Tom. What did we say on that uh, when we discussed the song? Is that from her point of view? 
or I think it is, isn't it? Yeah. John will. I no. I cannot see, and sorry, I'm not meaning to be, you know, bashing the new era and, and everything, but I cannot see it being allowed that a, a song now would be about a villain or from the female point of view or anything. It would have to be from, you know. Hmm. Well, Craig's eyes have to feature in the title sequence. But do you know what I mean? I just can't, you can't see that, you know, talking about Safin and, you know, all the... All... <laughs> it's because it's so separate though, isn't it? The whole it's process. all about, you know, his love life. Yeah. Anyway. No, I'm just, I was just going to concur with what you were saying. <laughs> I concur. Yeah. We'll come to that scene uh, first. Yes, John. Um, I said a minute ago how one of the reasons I used one of the things I used to judge a Bond song is when I hear it, I then want to see the film. I think not to keep going on about Alan Partridge, but my my other thing for judging Bond songs is when I hear them, do I turn into Alan Partridge driving in the car? You know, if I heard it on the radio, would I be singing along like a lunatic? And when I heard Lulu, I absolutely would be, you know, shouting yeah. about love is required and then telling people that the fog lights are on. I mean, I do like um, I do like an all time high, but when I hear it, the only thing I'm thinking is fill her up, please. I'm not, I'm, not yeah, really, yeah, yeah. I'm not really singing along like a madman. Yeah, I think even though I do like the song, it does get you up and thinking about the film. Like All Time High, it's like the music is outstanding, but the production and arrangement are just not quite up to the standard. So All Time High, we said, is a bit adult contemporary and a bit <clears throat> not schmoozy because it's, it's a bit gentle, a bit too gentle. I, I I will defend another hill on which I'll die is is the Moonraker, you know. I think that's beautiful. Oh, beautiful, yeah. I know John's not as oh, but the lyrics again. But that wasn't Don Black, I don't think, but was it? Um no, I don't think it was. Um coming back to Don Black, he he wrote the here's a link, he wrote the lyrics this is really sad. He wrote the lyrics to Lulu's US number one song, didn't didn't really chart here, to Sir with Love. <laughs> from the film from the film yeah it was um, number one in America with with Mr Sidney Poitier yeah. <laughs> really, really good film uh, he's a teacher in a school yeah to serve with love <laughs> so overdone again it's a good song now how to measure every Bond theme is would you sing it while walking by a lay-by or <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. swinging yeah. a carrier bag? <laughs> Moonraker, oh, less so. Man with the golden gun, yes. Has anyone heard the Alice Cooper? Man yes. Gun, so. Yeah, so Alice Cooper did a version and he says, you know, obviously the producers asked him. And I don't know whether that was because of Living Like Die, they had an outsider coming in. But that, I, I did read a hilarious story about Look Let Die, and we'll mention it on that episode 10 years later when we get around to that. It's, it's, a, it's a very famous song, isn't it, in terms of people would know instantly if someone said the man with golden gun, people could sing it. The only song that didn't chart in UK or US didn't chart. <laughs> like, really? Just think of people like, nope. I, don't, I, I just don't have the time, I don't understand. <laughs> I would like to yeah. see this on the David Arnold cover version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's not, less safe, obvious. isn't it? Yes, yeah. Who would you get to do it? I don't know, Alice Cooper. I don't know. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I just think it's it's right for a, a, a cover version, really left wing, just something quite yeah. bizarre. It is generally regarded as one of the worst songs. It's absolutely slated, wasn't it? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what the, the essential bond says, Harry. Do you want to have a look if you've got it? I don't, um, I don't think it, it doesn't go there. 
I don't think. I'm, I'm not sure. Talking, uh, let me see. I'm pretty sure they they are keen. Oh, I mean, it does it doesn't it blasts the lyrics a complete uh, yeah. It, I think it's better than about at least six or seven other songs in the bomb canon. Yeah, I prefer, mm. I prefer it to Moonmaker, For Your Eyes Only, All Time yeah. High, Die Another Day. Yeah, I prefer it to all of them. It's a, it's a high bar as well in the series. Exactly. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And and like you say, coming after honestly, my love for the song "Live and Let Die" is <laughs> going into honest. The, yeah. I, I'm, I'm starting to think Incredible. it might be one of the best pop songs or you know ever ever written yeah. and. I almost faint at the end of every listening because it just I uh, I just break into laughter because it's, it's too it's good. so good. Any any cover that people do just it sounds so good because the song is so good. Yeah, you know, I'm not one of these like um, on the David Arnold um, who's it's Chrissy Hine of course on um, yeah 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 a bit old that shows yeah but the song is so good that it just. Anyway, so it's quite a hard thing to follow that, and it is interesting that they have tried to, you know, an, an upbeat, no holds barred, whatever. And uh, yeah, I think it's a good fun song. It's not, it's not one of the best, but it's, it's catchy. It's certainly know, competitive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, this is what it says in Essential Bond about the music in general. Um, John Barry returned for his eighth Bond score. Uh, contributing an oriental flavour to the now familiar 007 theme overtures, as he did with You Only Live Twice. Unfortunately, this score falls short of that previous film. Barry's incidental compositions are adequate, but the title song, sung by Lulu, is instantly forgettable. <laughs> what? And hampered by absurd lyrics. And then it quotes, If you want to get rid of someone, the man with the golden gun will get it done. He'll really? shoot anyone. <laughs> and then the final, <laughs> the final sentence is: It's doubtful that anyone left the cinema humming any of the themes from the film. Oh, the, the essential bond really goes in hard on this film, and I think it's it's, it's a, a bit with like all these people saying they regret Man Beyond, and they regret the music, they regret the song, they regret this. I think it, it seems to have just been a really negative reaction. This keeps building layers and layers on top of each other and everyone's kind of jumping yeah. on it um, and everyone's trying to distance themselves from it but really there's some there's, there's loads of good stuff about this song and many other things loads of good stuff about it part of the narrative that oh spy love me had to you know it got so bad that it had to make everything great again mm. a bit like dying of the day had yeah. done so much dreadful stuff that casino i had to will disagree on certain aspects of that there's a decent movie in Half well, it was half a decent, half decent movie down in the day, and they didn't perhaps need to throw the baby out with the bathwater. But anyway, I know Stephen's a huge fan of Casino Royale, and and John is too. I am. I'm not having a go at this. No, no. What I was going to say was I am, but I I don't think Down of the Day is the unwatchable turkey that is sometimes made out to. I do think there is a spine of a decent movie in there. As much as I love Casino Royale, I do think there are there are positives to Down of the Day. Just just it's just what you said a minute ago. I think these things fall in with a narrative sometimes. Like the man with the golden gun was terrible in every department, then Spy saved the series by being brilliant in every department. And it's not really true. Same with, I mean, it's not as if Casino Royale is a perfect movie and Dying on a Day is awful. You know, it's just, it's, you've said it, you said it perfectly. It's narrative. And it's not yes, quite, yeah. it's, it's not quite true. The man with the golden gun, I think, as Harry said a minute ago, there's so much to like about it. It's in the music, the score, 
So, yeah. I actually... Do I prefer Lulu's song to Nobody Does It Better? A bit controversial. Mm. Yeah, I probably react to it more, don't you? You need to do the uh, the partridge test on it, Steve. It definitely <laughs> wins the partridge <laughs> test. You just hold whoever you go, blang, blang, blang. blang. <laughs> <laughs> Although I'd be saying, ooh, a lot of bush. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not that one, eh? Ooh, a lot of chew me. Yeah, not enough Vaseline. <laughs> <laughs> really 007 is part of the pod dojo network right the film ladies and gents uh we get an m scene to start off which i always quite like how it goes into that uh, as the first scene we're on the mission ball looks absolutely gorgeous the gray pinstripe suit crimson tie Got that. It's very very red door, isn't it? The leather door on this. I mean, again, we're looking at this in my new show, but I thought it, I thought they said Carl Thor. Um, <laughs> so I, that's what I've written down, yeah. And he's the he's the guy of Faulty Towers, isn't he? The yeah. Carl Thor, yeah. So many uh, Bond actors in Faulty Towers. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. you see, the he's the energy expert, or he's, no, he's the other chap, the energy expert. Gibson's the energy expert, I think. Gibson, yeah, Gibson. But then the other guy is chief of staff. I don't. Yeah, know Bill Tanner. Heard. It's Bill Tanner. Yeah, it was Tanner, yeah. But he. But did he ever go in Tanner or? No, I don't think so. Chief of staff. Do you have a poster? Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, just yeah. as a side note, I bizarrely got a, um, a random top trump card of Tanner yesterday. What? <laughs> give us his scores. Give us his stats. <laughs> just came in him and knock off. Well, not hiding on the know. tables. <laughs> that, yeah, that high school? Yeah, 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 yeah. My Monopoly. It came in my Monopoly um, James Bond thing. And you carry on talking. I'll, I'll go home to get it. Just give me a second. <laughs> you went home to get it. Yeah. <laughs> I love. I love these. The more sort of exposition in the, the gorgeous office. All the people are there. Is this it's his first in the office? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good point. Living like die. Yeah. They, they, well, they, Hugh obviously they go to his house. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that might was that you think why they gave Q a meteor role in this because he wasn't in the last one. Maybe yeah. must be. Johnny's back. Do you want some? Do you want some? Uh, some Tanner stats? Do we? Uh, <laughs> what's Top Trump's out of? Like hundred usually, isn't it? Really? I saw these, John, and they're all over the place, aren't they? Didn't right. Well, if this is a hundred, <laughs> well, this isn't. This is not a good card. <laughs> <laughs> so power and influence. Twenty. <laughs> Technology and gadgets, six. <laughs> six, I'm going to give it. Brute force, 30. Brute force is his best thing. Hiding under the tables is obviously brutal. <laughs> um, it is. Allure and charm, six. Uh, treachery, one. Top trump no. rating, eight. That's all it's well, It can't be out of 100 then. I don't know. Maybe it's well, one presumably is good for treachery because he's... Yeah. Although he does bitch yeah. about M behind his back. <laughs> if only he had his, uh, his Heineken with him. Oh. Yeah, wow. There we go. Anyway. Tanner. Sorry. But he's, does he even get a speaking part in this? Or is he just stood he there? Say something. I can't remember what. It's like one line. Like Chief Minister? Just Bond says that. Almost to say, you're there. That's it. That's where you are. You're there. Um, <laughs> so, is Colthorpe? Is he the guns expert? Is he? Is that what his role is? Ah, right. Yes. Ballistics or something. 
Yes, yeah. Very crisp. He looks um, furious in the briefing for some reason. It cuts to him at one point and he's really given Bond evils. He's <laughs> <laughs> quite a scary guy, isn't he? Yeah. Although in the ho- he's in the hotel inspector faulty towers, isn't he? But he yeah. he isn't he isn't actually of course a inspector, but he's still quite scary. Yes, yeah, so we are straight into the mission, aren't we? Bond's showing off, isn't he? He knows all about Scaramanga, so impressive, giving us his insider knowledge. Born in a circus, father of the ringmaster. Recruited, yeah, Harry was right, KGB. Went independent in the late 50s. I love this. So it's, it is yeah. within the time zone, isn't it? Yeah. I haven't read the book, but like, I'm assuming uh, this, this little passage is put as proper Fleming. I'm assuming that little description about Scaramanga is from the book. Uh, yeah, most of yeah, Scaramanga is, isn't it? Yeah, all the circus stuff and that yeah. is, is all from the book, yeah, which is quite crisp, isn't it? Has, has anyone read it? Is it good? Is it? It's quite different, isn't it? I remember it. It's, isn't it after it's like Bond gets brainwashed, doesn't he? And he tries to kill M. Oh, okay. Yes. So yeah, silly those silly. books, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Personally, more grounded myself. Yeah. Yeah. Give me down of the day. Or two dollars third Bond. Oh my gosh! Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> but outside of that, I can't remember a huge amount. I think it was. It was. The, I think it probably after he died after Fleming had died, yeah, so yeah, it was, it'd yeah. been rewritten. I think. And the questions about whether he did write parts of it as well. There's some debate when it came out, like, yeah. well, did he write this, or has someone added to it? Is it as there some kind of other writer yeah. influence? I don't think it's yeah, true. Yeah, I thought it was Kingsley Amos who did finished it for him because obviously he wrote. Was it Colonel Sun right. that 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 is was mm. touted to be adapted? Years later, but yeah, but yeah, maybe, I don't remember a huge amount. Maybe Rami Malek will be Colonel's son. <laughs> well, yes, <laughs> no, indeed, no, 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 yeah. I'd, I'd be okay with that. Yeah, yeah. Better than Doctor No. Much better than Doctor. Yeah, yeah. That won't be real. <laughs> Harry James Bond has a stepbrother. All bets are off. <laughs> <laughs> Spo- sorry, it's a spoiler if no one's Inspector. <laughs> uh, but of course the clues were there in all the Craig films they were always he was always there breadcrumbs yeah a million a hit you know goodness me that must have been a lot of money then wasn't it flipping yeah. it it's no wonder he's in that gorgeous incredible <laughs> lifestyle down there <laughs> mm. I like the idea of no photograph though isn't there that no one has seen him pre-internet wouldn't be difficult to trap people down like that and Bond, but Bond even knows about his superfluous papilla yeah, <laughs> it's, like, it's like an old war story, isn't it? It's some myth. Yeah, that he catches them by surprise when he mentions it. They're, he educates yeah. them on it, doesn't he? I like the little pause right. when he says, "What do you know about Scaramanga?" And he just goes, "Scaramanga? Oh yes, I know everything about yeah. him." Suddenly, because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he would have been briefed, presumably, like we are talking about Scaramanga in this mission. But, you know, yeah. Do he's you not know blind? Him? Is he? Well, I don't know. You're right, though, Tom. I do love that the the fact that no one knows what he looks like and. You couldn't really do that in today's world, could you? Your image couldn't be hidden so well. It's yeah. a level of intrigue for a villain is excellent. Silver managed. Mm. But he was a cyber terrorist, so he yeah. had control over the, ter- the internet. Yeah, charming trinket even has my number on it. Of course, in the end, spoiler, we, it wasn't Scaramanga who sent it. I forgot about that twist, yeah? Huge twist. Unless you, that isn't true. Isn't it? Yeah, it is true. Yeah, it is. Yes. Yeah. And then, yeah, I think we talked about it during the M episode, didn't we? How M just hates Bond, he hates Q, he hates life. 
in this in this <laughs> film, and he, he just lists all he lists all the people who oh, the list is endless. Who who would want Bond dead? It's brilliant. Isn't brilliant it? line. Yeah. yeah, I think that M's a bit of a tease in this film. It's like he gives Bond a slight <laughs> bit of encouragement and then pulls it away from. Him. So the best example is when Bond's walking out of the office and he says, "If I find him first, sir." That would change things. And then Bernard Lee sort of smiles as yeah. he say, I knew you would, my man, you know, dramatically, mm. wouldn't you say? And then Moore starts to smile as if to think, yeah, I've got a bond with my yeah. boss. And then, good day, Bond. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's quality. It's, it's also well written. Yeah. 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 Can I just bring some up? And it's a minor quibble, but it's something that I've, it's a little great I have with this film. <laughs> I, love how, I love how Scaramanga is this mysterious guy and no one has a picture and all that. This film is the complete polar opposite for Bond, though. Everybody seems to know who Bond is. Mm. Everybody seems to, you know... Oh. Scaramanga's girlfriend sending bullets to his co <laughs> Yeah. You know, he, it follows on from Time Off Forever, though, doesn't it? Yeah, you know, just killed James Bond. Lazar knows. He goes to high fat and he gives away his identity. Talks about that. And, and I JW recognises him just. <laughs> <on the road>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's a minor quibble because yeah. you just go along with it. But he is essentially a secret agent. Yeah, yeah he's not a superhero. Secret he? agent from England. <laughs> <laughs> and, no, that's and, a fair quibble. I, I accept that. And mm. it's just one of the things you have to go along with in the film. Yeah. But it is one of the little things. Yeah. I agree on that. Yeah, me too. So, the, like I said before, the the mission of the Solex, locating the Solex and Gibson, is coincidentally linked, isn't it? Um, I mean, yeah, M implies you should take this sabbatical. Seems to happen a lot, doesn't it, in the series, actually? Um, resignations threatened. And... Yeah, but it's not him who... I know, I know. I'm not saying it's like the Daniel Craig doesn't want to be bombed or not. <laughs> Sorry. Well, yeah, you're right. Like, with M going from nowhere yeah. and endorse your request to resign. I was like, whoa, 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 let's back this up a bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is it because he wants him to be off duty so he can be getting on with this privately? Yeah. So that the PM and other people don't hear about it, so I assume, I don't know. Yeah. It's, um, it's kind of like Moonraker, isn't it? After they find that the, the lab's been moved. Oh, yeah. When he I've says, never like, been so humiliated in all my life. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, Money Penny, Mrs. Fairbanks. Not Mrs. Fairbanks, M I S S E S. She misses Fairbanks. Love that again, an off. I know Math isn't keen on off screen stuff, but an off screen death of. Would you have liked no. a little pre? You could have had a preamble. Actually, it. it could have been instead of the random guy in this funhouse. It could have been 002, couldn't it? But it wouldn't really work in the same location, would it? He was just hired to kill him in Beirut, wasn't he? I'm I'm absolutely fine with it. It was just in um, in Skyfall. I thought it might have been a bit more effective with that Ronson character yeah. who they don't really they yeah, sort yeah. Of allude to a little bit, and then he's di- he's there dying at the start. I just thought it might have worked a bit better if he'd been. In there, but I like this Fairbanks stuff. I find it quite funny how you know it's Fairbanks and Money Penny, like Alaska. Um, is it Alaska? Or, mm. is yeah. Alaska? yeah, yeah. And then, oh, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, did you just make that up, Lewis? Like, we go off the script, please. So realistic. <laughs> We're trying to make please. it that you you know you know this guy, and it, you know and a lot to you. But the first thing you think about is the place rather than the person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Chris, because of a job. 
No, but then surely she's yeah. It's an unusual money penny in that she's actually giving him the information opposed to M. I don't. I think I thought that it was supposed to be the guy at the. Well, maybe I didn't, but I had it possibly in my mind that the guy at the start was supposed to be the one, you know, fair Fairbanks. Fairbanks. Double O agent, and like I was like, hang on, he was American, and she says he was shot in his neck. No, he wasn't. He was shot in the head. Sorry, the film's failed you then. No, no, no. It's just because I was being completely stupid and not listening oh. to the dialogue and not following it properly. The fault, the fault is with me. Good. <laughs> <laughs> this is the audience speaking. <laughs> but Double O Two, another Double O agent, mentioned. Yeah, maybe an episode on that. We really, we've got lots more important things to discuss. <laughs> if it had been 002 at the start, he could have killed Scaramanga at the end and said, and that's for 002. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What a beautiful... Serious coat. Roger. How good is he? How good is he? Yeah. Is he? Rog. I have a question about this bit. It just sort of occurred to me recently when I was watching The Man with the Golden Gun. So he goes to Beirut and he gets the bullet and then he brings it back and he sort of gets a bit humpty when he thinks they can't find out where the bullet came from and they can't trace it. They've already got a golden bullet from Scaramanga. Why not just use that one? Mm, yeah. Mm. Oh, John's eyes lit up. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it's again, to me, it's sort of a fair point that it's just like, yeah. it's, it's not been thought through properly. Lots of great little bits that don't really fit to a cohesive storyline. Yeah, and kind it of does say might give Skyfall a hard time over. Yeah, yeah. It does say its fingerprints are on it as well, so they know it's Scaramanga's yeah, Verified by the CIA. But yeah, essentially, so the, 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 the purpose of the scene is for you to, to, to imagine what James Bond looks like going through his own turd to fish out a bullet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to the nearest pharmacy. Yeah. <laughs> Again, didn't, didn't understand that as a child. Yeah, so Bond says, Money Penny, you are better than a computer. There were computers there. In fact, it, a computer designed the mm. famous uh, flip. We'll get onto that. I've said that eighteen <laughs> times now. Um, yeah, well, in all sorts of ways, you're better than a computer. It's almost like predating internet porn, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Incredible foresight from the, the scriptwriter. <laughs> as if you do, as it doesn't imply as if you can use a computer for that. You know. I don't know. Anyway, maybe not, maybe not. So she gets her hopes up when Bond calls her darling, and then the famous... Does anyone want to do an impression of the... Because they couldn't... Bullet. Bullet. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Good, good film. Great film so far. Good chemistry, though, between Maxwell and Moore, isn't it? It's it's crappy. Yeah. They tried to get uh, to film in Beirut, but there was absolutely nowhere that was uh, filmable, and it was obviously a conflict zone. So, where is the next best place to set a scene in Beirut? Pinewood is the answer. Mm. So I'm, I'm sorry again, to, um, but you know you only you only need to see the set, don't you? You only need to see um, the interior. So we've got the the lap dancing club. It isn't bottoms up. There's, there's two, of course. Uh, 
so much in this film. It's, isn't be- it? it's belly dancing, yes. It's belly. Sorry, yes. No. <laughs> I thought you said, earlier you said ballet dancing. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Confused, yeah, sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not ballet, it's not lap that we see. We don't know. Maybe, you know. But yeah, belly dancing. Abdomen. Um, <laughs> wonderful abdomen, yeah. <laughs> Bond is now, he's wearing so many different suits and gorgeous clothes in this film. He's, he's now got a navy suit on with a brown tie. Mm. Yeah, he's, has he got a sherry? He's got, he's, got, he's got the long cigar out yet, or is yeah. that later? He has, yeah. Yeah, oh. he, he looks so good with it, doesn't he, Moore, with that cigar? Yeah. I think that's Roger Moore, isn't it? Yeah, is that a Roger yeah, Moore thing? Yeah. Live and Let Die, he, he starts... <laughs> yeah, that's when it all kicks off. Yeah, cigar the, the cigar whilst he's in the hang glider on Live and Let Die. <laughs> 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 did, he get, did he negotiate for limitless amount of cigars when he when he asked him to come back he probably did yeah for, I mean, for the last two or something he's like as many cigars as you can want yeah well he Works. Um, every, every sort of publicity photo off you know while they were filming all of them he's got a cigar on, isn't he? it's, it's just yeah. the guys a legend so bond is at, is at this table and he's he's looking at, he's he's looking at the charm isn't he when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. He seems to be. I mean, I don't know how he knows that. Again, you could say that's a fault. Um, the goons are there watching intently. Uh, they're watching from another table, so already they know who he is, so he's failed again. So I'm just taking this in you know, the alternative way. You know, sort of negative, I think. <coughs> and then Bond follows uh, the lap dancer <laughs> into the... <laughs> into the changing room. Um, utters the catchphrase. So I was going to say, actually, it's a relatively age-appropriate actress as well. She's, she mm. must be... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's got a great I looked her up, figure, but she's she, actually facially she late looks, 20s. Oh, right, okay. Really? Hard yeah. life. But she, you're, you're right, she does look older. Yeah. yeah, and I thought that actually it seems more appropriate. She, I would expect some sort of, like, 19-year-old. Mm. And also, interestingly, in this one, he... Uh, she comes on to him quite a lot, rather than... You're very handsome. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're very handsome, and then she cuts to, you know, anyway, enough of... The, oh, I can't... I just, I just oh, yeah. mention that, because... Obviously, it's not that... Yeah, I mean, it's to go it's back not a proper so. relationship, I mean, it's not... I don't <laughs> no, know I know, I know, some money or I know, I know, but obviously, you know... It's not a laptop. These days, it can, be a bit, <laughs> it can be a bit troubling to see Bond and, you know, just... Yeah. Take advantage of a, a woman or... 
or whatever, but I don't think that happens. Sorry, sir. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, almost a bit confessions of a confessions oh. of a, a belly dance <laughs> this, though, isn't it? That's like, just why I look it's 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 every young boy's fantasy to just walk into a dressing yeah. room and she just goes, "You're very handsome." Anyway, yeah. With the, with the yeah. saxophone coming in. Yeah. I don't really think like it, this scene. I'm afraid. I, I love it. I don't think it would work in Spearman Rhino, would it? Let's yeah. be honest. <laughs> but it's exactly is. what I was I was thinking. Like later on, with with you know, we're trying to get good night into the um, into the wardrobe. Oh, I was thinking this is like Confessions of yeah, yeah. a 70s <laughs> sex rom. Like, squeeze a woman's award. That's what you have to do. Well, you know. Robin Asquith. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the tone of it is quite... Like you say, it doesn't... Come, Bond, at times, I find that, that he can come... He's quite sort of predatory and lecherous. But in this scene, because she is... Oh, you know, you're, you're quite handsome. You know, it's ridiculous, the idea that, you know, obviously... Just you know, start snogging, but <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, she does have some agency, and she's she's and also quite funny where she says, um, she's like, oh, what a terrible night, I will never forget it. Like, uh, but she says it in a way like she's not really that hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. she's using she's quite tricky the thing to figure that out. killed him as yeah. a little trinket, a bit of jewelry. She's murdered like, oh, in okay. front of him, and she's <laughs> like, yeah, my, my wee Bill, yeah. Yeah, 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 I remember him, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, killed in front of me. Oh yeah. Tom, Tom, can I just check something, please? Did you say Ooh. my my wee Bill? Is that what yeah. you think she says? Oh my word! I think she says she's French, so she's, or you know, may we Bill? Yeah. Oh right. Yeah. Oh, 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 but yes, yeah. Bill. Not yes, quite my wee Bill. Yeah. No offense to Scottish. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> In a complete break from character. Oh, my wee Bill. She, I thought because she knew him. And she had to, you know, like Bond, if you just go in that changing room, you get it, don't you? So you. you know. <laughs> My wee beer. And she is English, yeah. Yeah, I'm wrong. What did, Matt, did you say you just, you're not, you're not a fan of this scene or? No, I said I do love this scene. Oh, I right, really yeah. I like it. I think it's funny. Um, yeah. And, and then I'd like the fight. Great. I don't know, I just, I just like. It's like, a bit more quintessential, quintessential more, isn't it? How he's, he's trying to. Clumsy of me. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 I'm sure everyone can picture his face and kissing technique as he goes down and rubs him (laughs) and his eyes are looking. Surely everyone's got that image in their head. It sticks with you that it's so well done. Connery couldn't have had a scene like that, I don't think. It's a proper it's, it's scrap, class. isn't it? As well, it's, I've forgotten how brutal. Oh, the film. Like, oh, I like it. Yeah. When Bond's like yeah. smashing that guy's head into the wall for about three yeah. or four goals. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, did you watch it with the uh, um, the edited version with the crew in or not? Oh, in the mirror. Yeah, in the mirror. Because oh. I don't. I noticed that when I watched it. I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, I've got a blue. I, I didn't know the. I, yeah, no, it was there. I noticed it, but I, you know, I didn't note anything down. I didn't want to criticise or, and, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're meant to be on my side. Yeah, yeah. No, that was definitely there. All oh, right. Okay. But I thought, you know, quite right. How on earth do you avoid it? It's so intense and all over the place that fight, and it's. Yeah. It may it's well a be a set, but yeah. it, it 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 feels very claustrophobic. Yeah, I like how ruffled he looks after it, with the hair out of place, and the, I think he's got a bleeding, yeah. he's got a bleeding lip as well. Yeah. And yeah, he's yeah, 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 it's way before Craig. I think it's more Sorry. violent than anything he does in Live and Let Die as well. I think this is his most 
intense punch up and scrap. And again, he's good at action. You yeah. genuinely believe he's getting hit and he's he's actually punching and doing all the stunts. And then great line, yeah, yeah. great line. I've yeah. lost my charm. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Not not from where I'm standing. <laughs> not from yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that is the classic more, isn't it? Good too. You see the two sides of him there. You see the brutal side of him, a bit darker in a real rough rough and tumble fight, getting a bit yeah. roughed up, and then he hits with a more charm. So it gives you the best of both sides. Yeah. I think there's good music in this action scene. I know you've talked about how there's um, some action sequences are lacking music, and but this is. I think the music's good in this scene. Quite scary. Yeah. The brilliant last shot, isn't it? How the smash him into the mirror. Yeah. And there's a little semi you know, half a second of it, just nothing, and then it all yeah. crackled. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how it did yeah. that, whether it was an accident or. It's three on one, isn't it? The most of the fight, a lot of three on one, yeah. which is always good to watch. And there's nothing deft going on where like people like like the guards, are, sorry, the the goons as you call them, are like light as feathers, but they are all very in on the fight. And yeah, and unless someone's seen something different, I think yeah, yeah. I'm not trying to be nitpicky. I'm 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 asking the genuine question here. Who are these goons of? Why are they attacking Roger Moore? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Are they, I didn't even think about that. Are they her? Are they hers? But, yeah, I assume yeah. That, that's the club owner, isn't it? Ahmed. Is it right? That's that's ah okay. The, the, the like tea party. Ah right, fair play. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, it's one of the, in some ways one of my sort of quibbles a little bit with the with the film is just because I don't know whether it's to do with the fact you know I, I just sound so boring now, but. Because there isn't, <laughs> I absolutely love. I know what you're going to say. I, I, I love Scaramanga <laughs> and I love him, but in some ways, maybe we could have had a bit more of who would hire him, or I don't know. And they have, but because the, one of the problems is he doesn't. Scaramanga doesn't have loads of, you know, um, loads of his own men who staff. You know, <laughs> yeah, 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 if, yeah. If you know what I mean. So there has to be other opportunities for fights and for, you know. So, so clearly at the end. As, as it should be, it's the duel between him and Scaramanga. But before that, you know, there aren't loads of opportunities for fights. So they're, they're almost a little bit sort of shoehorned in. But I really like this fight. And obviously, I, don't, I think, yeah, he's the, must be the owner uh, of the, of the club and maybe some security staff. And then, you know, later we have the, the thingy school. Take Mr. Bond to yeah. school. And then High Fat and his like, <laughs> sumo wrestlers and stuff. So yeah. <laughs> there aren't as many, you know... Of, of, of the villain's men to dispose of. Yeah, that makes sense. That definitely makes sense. The, the last time I was on, we were talking about how Bond bleeds into your life and how you occasionally come out with co- comments from the series. And I, I remember once I, ha- I was having a sort of mild asthma attack and my inhalers were running out, so <laughs> I needed to get a, a taxi to the, the chemist to get more inhalers. <laughs> I know what's going on. I was turning blue. I mean, I could see, I looked in the mirror and just my face was like that sort of bluey, whitey colour and I was starting to panic a little bit. I got in the taxi and I went, the nearest pharmacy, please. (laughs) (laughs) No audience either, just for your own amusement. Honestly, the taxi driver just looked at me as if to say, what? And in my head, I'm thinking, no time for this. Your lungs are literally closing up. There is no time for this. Brilliant. <laughs> well done. You kind of imagine that there's someone watching, don't you? Just taking points for all these quotes that you can get in. It's got a tally yeah. in every yeah. reference yeah. that you make, you know. It's not lost. <laughs> well, he, he waited all this time to say <laughs> yeah. so. Very good. Yeah. 
So yeah, I remember James saying forward our older brother James. They were like, "Well, how?" I think I was like, "Well, how? Does, where's that bullet from?" Well, he's he's had to have a poo, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Bond poos? What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, <so. laughs> so yeah, we're back at Q Branch. Are we back? So he's gone all the way to Beirut, and then he's come all the yeah, way back yeah. to England again. It's quite strange. And in Beirut, we don't get any exterior shots. No, no. <clears throat> Should have done. Should have done. I think. Even if yeah. it wasn't Beirut. Yeah, there's the, 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 there's it's these moments where it is, yeah, that it feels like it's just just write a scene for this to happen. There's no real thought, like like John you know was saying, there's no real thought into it. But it doesn't mean, it doesn't <laughs> mean that that scene isn't enjoyable. Yeah, and yeah. you know, is is witty and it's a great action scene. But like what Matt was saying, that that I think originally it was written where it was much more of a kind of face off. With Scaramanga and 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 Bond throughout, <clears throat> and then it, that was kind of toned down, and then it had the sort of energy crisis subplot was added or beefed up. But but then there were there are opportunities for for Bond. You know, you could again Lazar, you could, you could have gone there and had a big scrap with his thugs or something like that. I think there was there is opportunity to to, to make it, um, <clears throat> I suppose, a bit maybe a bit more interesting, and it's not just this scene for this scene, but. It is. It is a great, like Matt said. It is a great scene. It's really fun. It's a great scrap. It is what it must be, like four or five minutes long, <laughs> you know. And it's just the the back the. So it's not really kind of. There's not much to it, but you know, it, it doesn't sort of take away from the action and and uh, and and the, the witty dialogue as well. They are all A to B to C, aren't they? Though you know him, yeah. him following the bullet, following the clues. There's the plot thread going through. They're not just pointless. I'm going to Beirut and stuff. Um, he is on the tail of Fairbanks, isn't he? I I really like the mystery, the spy work that he does. Actually, I yeah, love yeah. that. You know, going to Beirut. Um, Stephen's spot on that he doesn't need to go there to get a gold bullet anyway. But forgetting that point, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> forgetting that point, I like the idea of getting it. I like the idea of going it to Lazar. I do find that there is a good bit of spy work, mystery work going in. The only problem is, is, is that it leads to actually nothing, <laughs> because the whole—that's the point. You know, they're going into a big mystery about why does Scaramanga want to kill Bond? Well, he actually doesn't. You know, and and at the end of the day, it's it's his girlfriend who sent a, a cry for help. And if they knew who that, if they knew that in the first place, there would never have been a mission. Yeah. Because you can't, and 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 it, it's one of the frustrating things about it. Because I, when I was watching this this time, I was really enjoying it. Like going in terms of, yeah, I, I like this. This is this is Roger sorting the clues out, but it leads to nothing, and that's my frustration with it. But he does have Scaramanga does have the model of Bond, so he must sort of know about. Unless Nicknack just somehow got but hold it, of that. It, <laughs> But it, it, it's because he has admiration for him. He said that that's yes, why Miss yeah, Anders yeah. cries out to him because, like, she because he talks about him there. But I, I think it's quite clear from the minute that he he doesn't have any desire to kill Bond until that duel. Otherwise, he'd have just shot him when he would shot Gibson or yeah, in yeah, the yeah. you know when he shot Miss Anders and he was sat right next to him and he just let him go. He weren't bothered, you know. Yeah, he just says, "Don't chase me," basically, doesn't he? Don't don't. Fall yeah, me. exactly. Yeah. I just wish it had gone down the dual route, which Chris said, yeah. I think we'd have had a really great cat and mouse film. A more low-key one, wouldn't it? I know you say it is, well, Math might say it's a bit more low-key in terms of 
because he's on his own on this island. He doesn't yeah, need so, any. Some bits else. aren't low key in this. Wow! Right, so we're in Q Branch. We're in Q Branch again. All we get in the background is just some rocket going off into a wall, isn't it? That's that's all we see, really. <laughs> um, you know, some crisp little scene for Desmond Llewellyn. Another gorgeous suit, navy suit. Oh. Very similar to the one where he's a dick with Naomi and Anya in on the on the boat, like a, bl- a sky blue tie and a navy suit. Yeah, six buttons. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's uh, he's very grumpy and impatient in this scene as well, isn't he? he? Is. Yeah, yeah. We're going to have to step into the character of of Bond, of course, at some point in this. We've tiptoed around the the elephants in the room. Elephants, of course, crucial to the plot. Um, <laughs> Uh, so famous we've seen it so many times you know not what who chap who made the bullet 007 and all well what the hell is you know he's so angry (laughs) alright mate (laughs) yeah and and Q is a bit arsy with him isn't he he's he's, he's not yeah there is there is uh, say the the sort of tension where um, I don't know if it's by now that Q is starting to get that oh God, he's such a know-it-all, isn't he? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he asks you a question, yeah. like, rattling, oh, yeah. yes, he's got a third yeah. nipple, and he's got this, and he's... I know the old background of this person that we've just, just name-dropping in. Oh, Finally, he didn't know. Is there something about the yeah. size of the... No, it's doing the nickel count. The nick, you know, nickel content, obviously, too high. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They like sort of outdoing each other a bit, don't they? Yeah, like, yeah. Because Bond's doing it with them before, and Why just, not, just like the job, jobs yeah. with us. But not each other. No. Yeah. <laughs> Only license to kill is the respect. Absolutely. <laughs> Hi, I'm Rob. I'm Simon. And I'm James. We want to talk about those movies. Those supposedly bad movies. Those movies that bombed. To see if they weren't that bad after all. Join us every week on the For Your Reconsideration podcast, part of the Flickering Myth Podcast Network. You can catch us on iTunes, on Spotify, and all the usual streaming apps. And it won't cost you a solitary bean, mate. <laughs> it's like it's free. <laughs> it's just like it's free. <laughs> We're off to Macau now. Absolutely gorgeous opening shot with the Oriental bomb theme. One thing I'll have to say in its favour, this film, the on-location Oriental stuff. You know, you're actually there. Like we'll go, you know, the boxing match is real. The street chases the real, as in the real cars on the road. I know the film stumbling, but um... and there's a and there's a guy who shouts your favourite. All oh, right, yeah, we'll get Sorry, to that. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, wait, we'll wait for that. Yeah, yeah. mention him in the. You're right, though. A bit, a bit like um, from Russia Love, following Doctor No, just seeing. The, the actor's second film, the second time out, seeing them in a different location is always nice. Seeing them yeah. respond to different, you know, um, the setting, but also the, the busyness of a place oh. and the atmosphere and the environment. And watching them walk around is, you know, it might be me being a little bit geeky, but I, I really like to see them interact with a new setting that you've not seen them before. Um, I, I appreciate that about this. Like George Lazenby <laughs> If he'd had a second well, adventure, in this would have been his, wouldn't it? Apparently, this was going to be his. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. The going, yeah. Possibly, yeah. yeah. Well, imagine that. Mm. We did all right. We did all right. No, he, he just. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll get on to George. <laughs> 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 he deserved many more. George, if you're listening, please come on. 
Yeah, do, yes. yeah. A plea. A plea for George. Yeah. And verify Lazenby while you're at it. Yeah. Verify Lazenby. Hope, hopefully by the time this, this goes yeah, to Prince, yeah. then he, he will have had it. Authorised. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Bond is off to see Lazar. He's on one of those tut tuts, are they called? The famous cream jacket, the most partridge um, <laughs> referenced jacket. <laughs> The epaulets and all that. You've got the. I just love it. It's so James. You know, you've got the, the the old woman and the little girl eating, completely confused with what they're seeing. But, but they, who again, are they? I just. I think in the particularly in those days, like I've I've been to sort of areas of China where they've never seen anyone who isn't Chinese, and they just stare. You know, they're just so so unique. I think it's just to show that really. Unless they're like. Do you think they're anything the to do with Lazar? Are they? Maybe I don't know. Maybe he's got. It's like a shop front for him, maybe, because it's like a secret yes, location yeah. or something. I don't know. But I love it. Because, it, again, it makes me yeah. think they're really, he's really there. These are real... They're not. They're probably not even extras. I don't know. <laughs> like it's memorable. In, like it's an memorable. octopus. You know, a lot, of those, a lot of the people in the streets are real, you know, just watching this thing. <laughs> like the guy on the bicycle who whizzes through, you know. It's, really, <laughs> it's a real yeah. guy in his bike. At this point, I really like... A bit like when, you know, when Craig in Skyfall appears in Macau... It's nice to see um, a Bond actor wearing, you know, the Bond clothes, but in a different location. So having seen Roger Moore make his debut, you know, in Live and Let Die, it's nice to see them in a contrasting setting. I think, you know, you build a bigger picture, don't you, of a Bond with, with the more locations that they go to. And it, it kind of makes you a bit sad that, you know, you never saw Dalton in such a, a situation. Because whenever you picture your, your, your favourite Bond and who you'd like as Bond... You want to try and imagine them in all these settings. So um, it's so nice to see Roger Moore in this hustle and bustle of uh, Macau. It's so nice. Really enjoyed it. A bit like we wanted but never got to see Connery in a sort of ski setting. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it's always a little bit incomplete, isn't it? Connery's legacy. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully some deleted scenes will emerge <laughs> somewhere from snowy scene from you only the twice that <laughs> in with the plot whatsoever. You know. I don't think... They're anything linked with Lazar, as far as I. Anyway, I think we get a bit of the sort of tense music as we see Lazar watching on, which is very crisp, and then it merges into the the Man with the Golden Gun theme as he as it sort of revealed that yes, it is him. You don't have to worry; it's not someone who's got who's going to kill Bond or anything. And then Bond utters the catchphrase, Bond James. But I remember this bit was used in a. Remember that trailer. The, before the video collection yeah. came out, yeah, with, um, the, was it the nineties one? Yeah, with John Hannah yeah. doing the narrative on top. Yeah, 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 yeah. One bomb. Sorry, Stephen, you should have done that. You'd have been far better. <laughs> 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 We've done a lot of Scottish accents on this show already. I'm sorry, Stephen. <laughs> but butchering. Yeah. You know. There's. I, th- I remember that trailer also featuring. I think this is the part I really like. I'm yeah. pretty sure oh, that. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. At the end, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it went into like an explosion or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it had the original Vic Flick bomb theme, so it didn't really, <laughs> I don't know, it didn't really do it justice, did it? When you, the last trailer for Bonded theme was the Amazing Goldeneye one. But anyway, it's, it's now I can't. Oh, Lazar. Um, I, I've I've written down here. Even Lazar's heard of Bond, so another one of these. <laughs> is, is he really that much of a super spy? You know, secret agent. Or. Um, or is that because he made that bullet, you know, 
Oh, yes, no, that's the no, one I'm taking. No, no, actually no, because it wouldn't be that way around, would it? Or who would have engraved... It's got 007 on the bullet, doesn't it? 007, yeah. Not Bond, James Bond. Yeah. So would, would Lazar... <laughs> squeeze that on. Would, would Lazar... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he also knows that like Bond uses a Walter PPK. He makes yeah. things about that like, comedy yeah, yeah. and stuff. And I just... I actually love the scene. I think it's actually... I think there's a great intensity yeah. about it. So I don't want to criticise it too much. But yes, you are right. You again have to believe that um, this super spy is known by pretty much everyone in this film. I think it, I think it, <laughs> I think it works better that he's you know he's like a world renowned you know armorer you know he he creates these weapons for you know the the, the I suppose the you know the, the worst people you know all these assassins and that's sort of what Bond is so that kind of yeah. makes sense for me. It doesn't kind of make sense when it's always the same. You know, um, receptionist at a, a hotel. You know, is that and it's the, bottom, the usual, you know, suit and that kind of thing. So, but yeah, I think it works for me because he is, you know, a, a worldly in those circles. Yeah, yeah, maker of weapons. So. I really like this scene. I, I think it has a kind of nice undercurrent of, of tension, and this is the film where we do see a darker side of Rogers Bond, which personally I like, um, and he's kind of ruthless and single-minded and almost menacing and spiteful towards the end and I think um, speak or forever hold your peace is just a great line he he doesn't really need to be as nasty with this <laughs> yeah. guy but it sort of works with the tone of the film because uh, as I just said he's single-minded he wants yes, to know where Scaramanga yeah. is and he's not mucking about you know you tell me you're getting a bullet in the groin I like it a lot I think it has got some nice tension running through it and I like Lazar as a character he's the sort of character that I imagine populate the world of Bond these kind of little nooks and crannies of the world mm. that he's in this little rundown shack but then you go downstairs and he's making bullets and weapons specialized weapons customized weapons for the kind of worst people out there he's the sort of person that i can imagine off screen having a life having you know a story that continues outside the film i haven't read mm. i have to confess i haven't read all the bond novels but he he to me strikes me as someone that would fit in fleming's world that kind of slightly odd well-written character. I mean, what's the scene? Four or five minutes, if that? Yeah, most. But he yeah, and then he's him. only in the start of the next scene, and then that, that's it. You mm. never see him again. Oh, yeah, he's in the casino, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah only briefly, though. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I really like that scene. He's, he's a minor character, but quite memorable. Um, he just gives, I know flavour is a bit of a pretentious word, but he does kind of give a, a flavour to that, the sort of world of James Bond, as you were. And he's really well acted as well. He's, he's, <clears throat> he's kind of convincing as... He's obviously very knowledgeable, and that, and you know, the design based on you know that rifle is fantastic. It's really clever, you know, the fact that you know you yes. squeeze it rather than yes. pulling the trigger. And, um, he's very proud. Of, he's very, very proud, proud of his yeah. design, isn't and he? he, he play, I think he plays it really well. I think he just has that. He comes across as someone who's, um, yeah, just really knowledgeable. It's, it's understandable. I completely buy him as a character. You know, sometimes you do get those little sort of you know kind of little uh, sort of appearance of character thing it's just someone reading lines but him I, I kind of completely bought yeah yeah totally I think Lazar's a great character just going off what you were saying Stephen about Roger playing it a bit differently in this film and I think that that's a, a very specific point to this film I'll go back a bit later about how I sometimes think it really doesn't work especially when he's cruel towards women but actually um it does work when it's towards men in this film. In um, the, the Lazar, but also the 
the meal with Scaramanga, Scaramanga at the end, some of that dialogue, it's really, it's effective. Roger is effective in this role when it's towards men. Uh, I'll leave it there because we'll talk a bit later. But yeah, I do think that this actually suits him in this part here. I think he's opening a bit of a rabbit hole because I, I've just seen Casino Royale again and of course that's a lot about his relationship with particularly women and uh, <laughs> I'm just thinking if is this Roger Moore performance quite Fleming-esque? <laughs> well, <laughs> no one would say that, would they? But you know, a lot of these scenes, he's pretty ruthless in terms of how... How, I mean, later on, it, I find it funny the scenes where he's after information. You know, he's just almost single-handedly. Information. information. He doesn't really care. About that <laughs> one, he, yeah. Yeah. Um, he needs to get the information, but that's, that's Bond in a way, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's tricky because you know, in some ways, this is what you want from Bond, and it's it's trying to recreate the intensity, perhaps, of Connery and follow that direction a little bit more. Um, but then, at the same time, when you you know when you're looking back on the franchise, you do miss a bit of, you know, you, you want Roger to be a little, do you want Roger to be the lighter Bond? Do you want, do you want him to do that? Or even though he does it well, um, do you, and maybe I think in this film, do you think they get the balance right? Or do they go, I think tonally, this film, it struggles a little bit um, because it, it wants to do that, those serious parts. And then there's the occasional, um, you know, there's some, Farcical moments and laugh laugh out loud moments. Right, I'm um, <laughs> no, but intentional, intentional. You know, I'm thinking, you know, when like that kind of thing. Um, but I, I just don't. Even though I do agree that Moore does those scenes well, it, he's he's it's quite sad when he's not being his him his friendly self kind of. Um, you know, it's like when your best friend's in a bad mood. You know, it's not. Not, yeah, yeah. yeah, and you've got they're entitled to be yeah. in a bad mood. Yes, they are. For one film, they can have a they can be in a stinker. <laughs> and like you say, you, you, when you look back, you are you always think of Roger being the lighter one. He's always you know if you look at his sort of entire career, it's always you know a light. Most of his work is of a light tone. You know, he's always played the charmer, mm. so you don't really see Rogers kind of being. Oh, he's never been kind of perceived as a serious actor. He's come from television, playing characters who are, you know, kind of action hero kind of characters. There's always a twinkle in his eye, and he's always he's always quite knowing. So there's a lot of that. So when it does, when you do see him actually being serious, it is like it, it can be quite jarring. And I think in, there are yeah. some scenes like in is it um, for your eyes only when he mention him being married. And he kind of just does that, you know, he can pull it off. I agree. Like we just showed himself. Yeah, and I think like I agree yeah. with John about you know the when he to do with his it, it's it sits uneasy when he's you know kind of being mean towards women, but when he is being mean to to other men, it's great. You know, at times yeah. you think actually why, why? I know I think that is also down to the writing in this. Is that he's got? He gets so many great lines, whether they're actually kind of humorous or they're actually quite cutting. You know, where he does kind of lay into a character by you know with, with a couple of lines here and there. I think, uh, it, and it is a shame because you see later on, like even things like Octopussy, you know, and obviously Fiora's own. Yes, he, he can really kind of pull it off. To back up what John said, how good he is with usually the male villain. He really switches on his intensity. He doesn't really 
when you're getting towards the finale of a film or whether it's the first time he meets the villain Roger Moore is really good at standing his ground and being firm about his beliefs and you've mentioned Octopussy and you've mentioned the chat with Scaramanga when they're at the end of that dining table towards the end and then you think of you know Zorin and things like that he, he, he really does switch on that towards I agree John towards men it really works actually because you know you think it's like when you've um, again referring to imagining him as your best friend but when you see them being passionate about something it like inspires you a little bit yeah and Roger Moore's a bit like that when you see him you know he's actually deciding not to joke around now he's 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 actually being deadly serious um, it's really effective. I'm yeah, <laughs> I looked at you, Tom, when I said that. I knew it was going. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So it it does work um, more towards men, I'd say. Yes. Well, I was just going to say that it shows the importance of tone and tonal in a in someone's performance in this movie because Roger, I believe, in this film, only kills one person, that's and that's Scaramanga. Yeah, it is just true. Ah, oh, wow. So true. if you look at something like. Um, I know it's all individual. So for me, Roger's finest performance or, or his best balance for me is maybe Octopussy because one minute he'll shoot a soldier point blank in the forehead and then the next minute he's lying on a on the ground doing a double take with a, is it a, is it a tiger or a dead lion or something like that? You know, in the palace? <laughs> Before he slides down the stairs. So Octopussy's got a nice balance of both sides, but in The Man with the Golden Gun, he doesn't actually go around shooting people or killing people. I mean, he only kills Scaramanga. But it's probably his his darkest performance, mm. either that or for mm. your eyes only. So for me, I found that interesting, the, the sort of tonal balance. I actually quite like his performance in this because, but I wouldn't say it's my favourite. I think with Moore, now this, you guys might disagree with me here, I think with Moore he actually got better as the movies went on. Yeah, I like him in Live and Let Die. I mean, he's he's he's, he's good and entertaining in every film he's done. He's he's not done a bad Bond film, but I think in Live and Let Die he was maybe still finding his feet a little bit. In The Man with the Golden Gun, the common criticism is oh, they were trying to make him into Connery. I can see why people would say that, but I just think in For Your Eyes Only and Octopussy, he just sort of hits that nice balance of serious mm, Bond, yeah, and funny Roger Bond with a twinkle in the eye. Uh, yeah, and I think yeah. at talent like you mentioned about Toe is that later in those later films they, they, they managed to balance that tone That's right. And I yes. think these early ones where it is like, let's play it a bit darker. But then they sort of undermine him with things like, you know, the whistle with the you know, where it does the corkscrew. And also there's something inherently funny about people in flares as well, so you can't really take yeah. them seriously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can't do a chase in flares. But I, and I think with the balance thing is is that when you've got charming Roger, especially in Octopussy, the bits when he's serious hit harder yeah and, mm. and and that's the thing and with with me with this film i don't think we see enough charming roger and therefore it, it does great a bit to it to me when it's with men actually i feel it works when he's pushing boys out of boats or he's um, <laughs> or he's twisting the arm of miss anders it, it just feels like He's uncomfortable doing it uh, for me. Do you think there's any suggestion? Could can you suggest that they, it all, like you said, Stephen? You know, it develops and he gets more and more into it. Is there any possible coincidence that it's as John Barry's music just gets better and better and better <laughs> with, the, with the more films? Like if you think going, you know, because obviously for your eyes only he does do those serious parts, but then as you go towards like. Octopussy and a view to killed by the end 
seems like they've got that perfect balance. That, uh, there's, there's almost like an understanding that Moore and John Barry have developed between themselves. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, between the, action, <laughs> the, between the action and the romance. A lot of people don't like A View to a Kill because of Moore's age. Whenever you see people that criticise A View to a Kill, as, as, they're right, as they're fair to do, you know, if they don't like it, fair enough. Um, a lot of the criticism, the first thing you'll hear is Moore's too old, Moore's too old. And in fairness, when I was re-watching the Bond films this summer, my wife walked through the living room and she just looked at the screen and went, too old, and then walked out. <laughs> yeah. So I can absolutely see that. But for me, I quite like his performance in A View to a Kill, even though he is too old. I still think he's got... Yeah. A little twinkle in the eye. He's still charming, and you know when he does the fly casting line, he's he's just he's still got it. He's yes. it was just his face was letting him down. A yeah, lot, but... yeah <laughs> I, I agree. I, I mean, I'm someone who loves View to a Kill, possibly not as much as some of these guys, and I do fall in the category that I think Moore's too old. But the problem with I Fail is not. I think Moore's incredibly game in that film. I think he is mm. really up for it, and I think he yeah. his line delivery is superb. I think he never looks bored. He you never, never get the looks bored. He's checked out. No, no, no. He gives as good a performance as he can give. My issue is is that there's a couple of things, but think of the scene where him and Tibbet are having that fight uh, with them two goons. Under <laughs> and, and, and I mean, I looked at my like. I was like, really? You know, really? And, and then and then, even carrying Stacy down the uh, ladders. Dun, now, the dun, music dun, dun, is absolutely dun. sensational. Yeah. But my son loves Fireman Sam. And Fireman Sam does that in every single episode. <laughs> I, 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 I want James Bond to be doing something in sensational. And actually, in reality, because of his physical limitation, he's doing something that a standard fireman does every single day. And it's actually it's actually the music that is making that an incredible scene. But that's not I love the dis- leather jacket. The cool oh, leather jacket. Yes, let's let's yeah. make Roger look yeah. young with a leather jacket. <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah. But but his performance <laughs> is still brilliant, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Yeah, so as we're saying, uh, Marnie Maitland played Lazar. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah Marnie Maitland no relation we assume to Victor Maitland he's uh, Anglo-Indian actor known for Hammer Horror films uh, villains mainly Hmm. and his I've got uh, his final role was was in a a film with Timothy Dalton called we used to laugh at the the title for different reasons The King's Whore yeah, like I think it was like a you know American TV movie in the nineties. That's uh, with with Tim. Anyway, yeah, he he's like half Roger's height, isn't he? I mean, he's, he's absolutely. He, you do, I really buy him as sort of scattery. Yeah, probably someone who loves guns. He's really talented at that. But he ne- he's maybe never fired one, obviously, in front of a real person. And to have someone he knows is deadly in front of him, it's no wonder he's absolutely bricking it, isn't mm. he? Mm. Someone who's prepared to shoot the gun. He he, he might not yeah. be, but. Any fucking bonded. kill, Harry, so... <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so he... Uh, yeah, we mentioned that rifle for the gentleman who lost two fingers. The sight's bit off. Again, the, the scene, he's just trying to get information. That's all he's doing. And he's... I just love the sort of... Even the motion of moving this rifle around. It's all... It's yeah, so, so smooth. More, it's yeah, so yeah. childhood. It's 
It's just brilliant. Um, <laughs> I'm now mentioning... aiming precisely at your groin. <laughs> yeah. See, you were mentioning Moore and information there. It's it's funny when you stop and you look at all his movies, and he does have this reputation. I remember someone describing him as um, this was this was brilliant. Someone described Moore's Bond as a lounge lizard who was titting about on the government's dime, and I loved that description. I thought. Oh, okay, <laughs> But then, when you stop and you look back at Moore's Bond movies, he's very driven and single-minded in every single yes, film. Yeah. I mean, he'll stop and he'll sleep with a couple of women, but is it in Moonraker where he's pretty much just doing it to get the information? He's always, always yeah. on the mission. He's always information. He's always, I need to get what I know. That's always his priority. So as much as Moore has the reputation as being the, the muckabout Bond, the jolly Bond, the one who's always boozing and womanising, He's he's pretty much on the on the job all the time. Yeah, I've never felt that he's been distracted by a Bond girl. Would you agree? There's no, never, no, no. none of them have well, taken. He's using them, isn't he? So yeah, well, but none, can you think of any that have really made him take his eye off? No, no prize. I think it's what John actually. John, I would agree with John that it's maybe not as effective in this film because we don't have that sort of charm that he has in Octopussy, for instance. He's, he doesn't have many of those scenes where you think. Oh, I'd love to have a pint with this guy. You know, you'd love to you'd love to go to the pub with him. But he's still he's still Roger. It's not like I don't think going back to the character of Moore again. But it's not <laughs> like I think these. This is a completely different James Bond. This is a different characters. The one who was in Live and Let Die, and the one who's in Fiore's own. Uh, yeah, Fiore's only or Octopussy, for instance. It's just the script, isn't it? Really, and the things he's made to do with it. I was just going to say <laughs> I'd like to see if you guys agree with this. I've always thought that the man with the golden gun. Someone else said this earlier. Actually, was um, Moore's most Flemingish performance. But then I there think from, from the next film onwards, he basically said, "I'm just going to play Bond as as myself." My way, yeah. Because he's not really afterwards playing Fleming's Bond. He's just basically playing Roger Moore's Bond, and I don't really mind. Hmm. But is that why, like you've already said, I think we said it on the Henchman episode, actually, Stephen, that he is playing himself, but but then he's uncomfortable with the bits which aren't himself, yeah, such yeah. as the kick in, lock off the cliff, all the good but stuff. But he's actually really good at them. Yeah, yeah, he's actually really good at it. So even yes. though he thinks in his head, this isn't me, yeah, we buy it as that character that he's playing as James Bond. Yeah, in that John Glenn book, almost every scene that I love from Roger. Glenn, Glenn's got a little story or an anecdote about how he had to talk Roger into it. Roger thought that yeah. his fans wouldn't like it. Roger was always conscious of the kids. He was always conscious of family viewers. He was always conscious of not being accessible to youngsters. And therefore, if there was a scene that was too dark, like the lock scene kicking the car off the cliff, he said he had to talk Roger into so much. And I think with uh, some of them, they even shot two scenes. So if there was a scene that Roger thought was too dark, they'd have to film it as we saw it and they'd have to film another version that was a bit lighter. And he said that Roger eventually came round to most of them. I know you're wanting to talk about the Tsar, but yeah, if we keep going a bit more. <laughs> there's, that, there's obviously that, there's that really um, sweet and endearing story, isn't there, about Roger Moore meeting a young um, child on a plane, and there's a wonderful in, like, interaction between them mm. um, about you know being James Bond and things like that. And it, With what you're just saying now, I wonder if, do you think Roger Moore is... is the actor who's taken on Bond with um, a family audience in mind most compared to the yeah. others. He's, he seems to be the one who's yeah. wanting to represent so many things to so many. Um, yeah. Is is that possibly because 
Con- I mean, I don't think Connery was a father, was he, when he first played Bond? I don't know what, how mm. many of these guys were fathers. I've not looked into this. It might be rubbish. Wow. But um, <laughs> I, I yeah. don't know. I don't know whether Dalton, you know, Daniel Craig, I don't know whether they were dads when, when they made the film. So he definitely was because of, he gives another anecdote where he was telling his son that he was going to be James Bond. And he said, oh, Dad, do you think... Uh, they're in a in a in a bar. Sorry, not a bar. It's a restaurant. And he said, "Dad, could you uh, beat up that guy, uh, or something like that?" And he's like, mm. "Yeah, I think we could probably take him." And he said, "What? What about James Bond? Do you think he could have him?" And he said, "Yeah. Well, you you do know I'm going to be James Bond." And he said, "No, not you. The real James Bond, Sean Connery." <laughs> <laughs> Very Roger Moore humour, you know. Yes. Yeah. Always takes him again. But again, it's that he was coming into it. Knowing Bond and, and that his kids probably loved it, so I don't know. I, I mean, it's a slight tangent, but as well, with the thing is, he's very self-deprecating with his uh, how he talks about his acting, and yeah. always and, every and time he's so... he's very You're underrated. Wrong. He's incredibly underrated as an actor. Humble. He, he is he he is brilliant at the charming stuff. Don't get me wrong. I've got to confess, this was I saw this on a Calvin Dyson video, and I just thought, yeah, this really resounded with me. Is is that Calvin Dyson was saying that he is the best Bond who shows don't tell his feelings towards his wife. So, like, there's the time in Spy Love Me when Anya mentions it. There's the time at the at the uh, grave in For Your Eyes Only, and you can tell he is hurting. But he says absolutely nothing. And um, for someone who we always go on about the jovial bond, you see these moments here and there, and we can all pick at them throughout. And I'm glad that in general people are seeing Roger as a far more rounded James Bond these days. Because it's not fair to just put him as the jolly bond. He has far more to him than just that. It's great that he Calvin actually voted him in his... Uh, a video, his best Bond, his favourite Bond, because mm. I think sometimes the the younger generation only really know Daniel Craig. That, that you know, it's a bit like we we grew up more with Brosnan, didn't we? Yeah, uh, some of us. So you naturally inkle towards the one who was on the cinema when you were what in your, t- your teenage years at, at most. So to have someone who I don't know, Calvin's probably in his twenties still, but someone that young. Actually, rating Roger Moore is pretty, uh, pretty, pretty heartfelt. I think that's really good. Can I ask a quick question to go around to go around everyone? Where where do we all put Roger in our individual rankings? Oh, stop it! Stop. I mean, I struggle rankings in general because for something you you know you really love, it's quite hard to say. Oh well, I don't like him as much or something like that. And those words, I don't like to come out of my mouth. But um, I'd probably say. Third, probably third, oh. but but I've, that feels bad to say. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know because I love it. I love his films but so much, the particularly the Glenn, the John Glenn ones. You know, I absolutely yes. adore. It's when you look um, at the, 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 him, his portrayal as Bond, or his portrayal as Bond and the Bond films. Yeah, the adventures. Yeah. Sometimes it's in. difficult to, to separate is. them, isn't it? It is. I find it hard to put anyone above Sean. And then, but then, Tim Dalton's two films are just. With every day that goes by, I love them more and more. 
But I, by by saying that, even by saying that, you know, I feel a bit bad because Roger did seven. To varying degrees, I, I you know really like them all. I don't know. That, that that's another non-answer. Is, that I've is there for. is there um is there a Bond actor who could have appeared in all of them? Like, could could Moore yeah, have done License to Kill? Could Dalton have done Man with the Go- uh, Could Dalton have done Moonraker? <laughs> could could uh, Connery have done Tomorrow Never Dies? And and who, who I think if you arrive at someone who could do most of the adventures, then you might have found. Well, I I the funniest I found was to picture. Um, <clears throat> I mentioned it in our Skyfall review. <laughs> picture Roger Moore in the bar, you know, with a scorpion on his arm, like being like, hey. <laughs> or you know, in Casino yeah. Royale, being naked, you know, being whipped. There's no way Roger yes. would be doing that. But yeah. you know, it. it so that doesn't place but, Craig above more. Well, no, but it's it's almost horses for courses, and, you know. Yeah, yeah. For for the different films. Yeah. And like License to Kill, he couldn't he couldn't really do. Really Only because of his age. You think of his age. If he can do the serious bits in these films. Yeah. Like, if you had him a when young, he was a young same more. age, yeah, in his early forties. Mm. I I think he's more variety than the average Bond, to be honest. So I mean, you... someone like Pierce Brosnan, who we never mention. Uh, until the, we really have to, he's he could definitely do any of them, any tone. I think. Yeah, Tom, where do you place Moore? Where do I place Moore? Um, <laughs> oh, sorry, go on. Or any anyone, anyone. Go on, Tom. Anyone you go do? first, John. Go on. Up. My number one is Dalton, and then I have Brosnan, Connery, and Moore, who I rotate, and I can't really pick between. That's how I. That's how I have it. At this moment in time, I'd probably have more at four, but actually saying that, I feel guilty saying it um, because all four of those I absolutely love. That's a fair answer, yeah. I, d- I just assess it. I love all of his performances in all of his films. It's the same with Sean Connery, but then people... I, I, growing up as a child, I just loved Sean Connery in all of them, but now, of course, everyone's... Obsessed with saying how bored he is in you know the last two, I didn't notice that <laughs> as a child, and haven't scrutinised them enough in recent years to to think that. But like then, then he downs off forever. He's he's definitely not bored in that. I mean, he might not. No, he's up for it. His yeah. his uh, choice of looks and wardrobe and the, the film itself, but he's certainly no. I, it's an impossible. I don't, I don't like answering. I just love the fact that we got all those actors up to a certain point. In the films they were in, it, it's interesting mm. when you do speculate. You know, people say could Connery have done uh, on a Manchester's, for instance? Don't they? Could uh, Roger Moore have done Living Daylights? <laughs> I don't think people really speculate about that because he was, <laughs> it's more could Dalton have done a View to a Kill? And you think after what we've discussed here, because obviously the, we're talking about Man with Golden Gun. Um, <laughs> a view to a kill. <laughs> a Quick view remind. to a kill is a a brilliant performance from Roger, and you know I'm I'm glad he did it. So I'm not. I'd, I wouldn't change anything about the uh, any of the films really, up until a point. That's contractual. Um, <laughs> it's like the David Brent, another David Brent quote. The you know supporting a little known band named Texas, and then when he says, "Yeah, like." No, they probably they couldn't run a, a paper merchant. You know, I couldn't. Actually, I probably could do what they do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Probably what spurred them on. So, that's what Roger Moore thinks about the uh, the new bonds. What about you, Chris? 
Uh, I would, I would, I would put him in third. I think, I think Connery, and then Dalton, and then, and then more. But again, you know, since since again, it just changes all the time, and it's all depend on. It's so dependent on your mood because you go, I want, I want Roger Moore. I want to have something that's. I want to put. I want to watch Moonraker. You know, I want something that's light. That is has fantastic set pieces. The music is fantastic. You know the the production, everything about it. You know you could pull it apart in terms of plot and what's silly and that stuff, but it is incredibly entertaining. And then I want actually more of a spy thriller. So I'll watch From Which We Love. You know, and that's so great that we've got twenty four films. And even even occasionally I'll go. I quite fancy watching a Daniel Craig film. Good lad. You can say that. Brosnan, he was at the time who surely he's the best choice in that era of anyone who should be playing Bond, even if you don't rate him as highly as those three, the main three we've mentioned. From '95 to 2002, is, is anyone ever suggested that somebody else should have been playing James Bond? Dalton. Well, yeah. Do- if Dalton, assuming Dalton didn't want it, that's what I mean. I, I agree. We 91, 93, and you know we'll hopefully speak to Mark Edlitz about his book and. What could have happened? But goodness me, that—that's like that. That's what I think about and can't sleep about more than you know. <laughs> that fourth. I, I'd rather think about them than oh, what if uh, Tim was in *A View to a Kill*, for instance. Mm, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, to answer your question, Stephen, I'd probably yes have Connery number one. That's <clears throat> when we started doing this podcast, and I'd started revisiting the Bond films. That's what I thought then. I'm now well into the more films and I still feel the same. Connery's still my number one um, at the moment. But then for number two is interesting. I think Dalton is excellent, absolutely excellent. But I'm, I need to get more familiar with Living Daylights. I mean, some of you guys are really, you know, really strongly familiar with it and really herald it. And I, I want to get to that stage. And I've just not seen it for quite a while. Um, so I, I'm licensed to kill, you know, on this poll where you rank your favourite. Licensed to kill is my number one which is obviously Dalton, but I think um, <clears throat> once I've got more familiar with Living Daylights, it might um, in, you know, increase in my, um, in, in, up my list. But on the strength of the, the, the flow that Moore got into by the end, I think he's in my number two slot. Um, oh, just, it's just a, a, a real wonderful blend that he strikes of, um, where you're so happy to be in his company, and you're so, uh, and you you believe the action, um, even when he's older. I believe the action that he's in, and I believe <clears throat> in his in his calling to be an agent. Like he he is definitely up for it. Um, and then I think after that it would be uh, Dalton possibly. But then there's, you see Brosnan. He's not pulled a foot wrong, really, as, as Bond for me. Um, it's just perhaps that perhaps his first film was his best. Um, so that that's some for some reason that makes the other ones sort of trickle down a little bit. Um, but even though, sorry, just before we return to Man with the Golden Gun, if we do, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, um, even <laughs> okay, even though I think Moore matured into the role so well, 
And I, part of me does believe that there's some link with John Barry and all that. Um, but it, despite that, I think, and I don't know what other people think, because I, I think it seems to be going down in people's estimations, I think he makes a really, really brilliant debut in Live and Let Die. I think he's excellent in it. And um, I think he gets a really good balance in that. Um, and, you know, that's when he's younger, more athletic. and Yeah, 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 yeah. The mysterious hair colour of more. But, um, so that's why Man with the Golden Gun's quite interesting, because it's his second. He is still young. Um, but it is perhaps his most different portrayal of Bond, perhaps in terms of being a bit of a grump. Or, um, I don't know if I've answered your question there, Stephen. I'm quite happy not to have answered your question, to be honest. It's so difficult. <laughs> what about you? Yeah. Uh, Stephen. Yeah. Second, maybe Connery and Dalton joint first, Moore second. But like, Whoa. but like, who is it that said they felt guilty about having him second or third? Maybe I, it was I, whoever it was. Yeah, <laughs> I I agree. I feel I feel bad not having him as joint first. Um, I've got this theory with Bond actors that um, if you graded each Bond actor in two categories, so one being acting ability and the other being star power, I think mm. Connery would be. Connery would rank the highest because he's brilliant at both. Whereas Dalton, as much as I absolutely love Dalton, joint first, he's maybe not got the star power that, say, yeah. Brosnan has. But then absolutely. I don't think Brosnan's got the acting ability that Tim's got, whereas Connery's got both. Yeah. What about and, Moore? <laughs> no, you can't I mean, I absolutely love Moore. Um, something that's quite interesting, I think, about the franchise in general is when people talk about what the next Bond's going to do and what the next films are going to do. And everyone seems to have this idea now Right, the next the next films post Craig, they need to be funny. They need to be full of one liners. They need to be comedic. Now, I'm not opposed to that, but I think you need to wait and stop and see who the actor is going to be. You can't say let's have a, you can't say let's have a Roger Moore style Bond after Craig because the Roger Moore films work because of Roger Moore. Mm. If if they found another actor that was say like another Dalton style actor, you can't force him to do these one liners and raise the eyebrow. That Moore was unbelievable at that stuff. He was he was an original. He was unique. So I think what makes the Moore films work is Roger Moore. It sounds basic and obvious, but he was so good at that stuff. Even Dalton said that in the the documentary, what was it called? Everything or Nothing? Yeah. You know the one I'm talking about? Um, Dalton was talking about his approach to the character, and he even says at the start, Roger was brilliant at what he did. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't do that. You assume that when, you know, when Timothy Dalton came in, and when Pierce Brosnan came in, and when Daniel Craig came in, they always have to compare, feel compelled to compare themselves to Connery, don't they? Mm. And then they think, well, Dalton was coming out like a year after. He was only cast a year after A View to a Kill was made. So he had to please a completely different type of fan, didn't he, as well? And I think, and I think Dalton as well. I think you see in parts of the script of The Living Daylight remnants of the Roger Moore era, especially in terms of um, the one-liners. And Dalton is visibly uncomfortable saying some of the one-liners that he is, like salt Even corrosion. Boots, you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it, it's not Dalton. And it's in. And I watched everything and nothing the other night by chance, Stephen. And 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 it actually <laughs> like this. This came up, and he he makes it clear that that just isn't him. Yeah. And then when you get license to kill, it's actually Robert Darby who makes the better lines. It, it, you know, it's yeah, him yeah. who makes the memorable lines. They just let Dalton do what he's good at, 
and he absolutely shines through. Um, so yeah, I totally agree with that. It's all about finding the person and then um, adapting to it. But just as a quick question from that, would you say that's what they've done with Daniel Craig? Or would you say that they have decided that this is the route they're going down and then found an actor with it? Or have they said, we're just going to adapt uh, to how Daniel Craig does it? With that, I was <coughs> searching Casino Royale because we will be reviewing that sometime soon. And even Pierce Brosnan had said, I'm sorry, Dying of the Day, it's too ridiculous with the CGI and you know the tone. We need to get it down back to basics. I want to do that. And apparently Quentin Tarantino was, you know, mm. considered for director, and he said, I, "I'll only do." He he says he suggested Casino Royale to producers, but only if Pierce Brosnan is Bond. So, yeah, <laughs> sorry, I'm getting everyone very excited here. But. So, I, I think with that, it was the tone was decided before Daniel Craig, but he does fit that tone, particularly in the first film, doesn't he? No, I was going to say, I think with Daniel Craig, it's a bit. It's, he's, am I right that he's now been Bond for the longest period of time, mm, yeah. years? I think that hasn't helped in some ways because because it takes longer and longer for a film to come out. Like tastes seem to change as well, mm. and uh, uh, you know, mid noughties Batman Begins, Born was around, and you know, I think they are at least part influences on Casino yeah. Royale and, and 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 that, and then Quantum of Solace. I, you know, I've, I think honestly, I reckon I've only seen it twice, maybe maybe two and a half times or something. It's shocking that bad <laughs> Bond film, but anyway, um, I don't know. I don't know whether that was a, a, perhaps a misunderstood follow follow up to Casino Royale or something. I don't. I don't really. I don't really know. And then by the time Skyfall comes around, and I think we talked about this, um, it's like on the back of the Olympics, there seems to have been more of a clamour to get back to what people want. You know, bit Absolutely. bit sort of lighter in tone, a more a more memorable villain, and uh, well, you know what I mean that that sort of that sort of um, area. You know that that's the approach that they're uh, they're trying to take. And then I don't know. I just think they're in a bit of a mess, really. I think I think Craig hasn't really been able to. Casino Royale is where he's clearly the most comfortable, and that's that's his zone. And then. Things keep—I don't know—the the goal cut posts keep keep to seem uh, changing. I don't know what you know. It's it's in some ways it's not you know it's not necessarily his fault. Although I do think now he ha- he has he has a big influence on the films, and you know he's a producer, and so you know by by the time it, uh, we haven't seen No Time to Die, he's obviously a producer on that or an executive producer, and you know because after Spectre he was. He was so like knackered by it all and exhausted with everything. It's taken him a while to to get back into the the mood for it, but they were never going to replace him unless he says so. But like five years, and I'm not saying that five years is all down to him, but do you know what I mean? So it's some of it's probably not his fault, the inconsistency in the tone, Craig. But I think because of his probably relationship with Broccoli and Wilson and everything, I think some of it maybe. Maybe is the films are a product of the time, though, to an extent. And I mean, if we if we ever get back to talking about Man with the Golden Gun, John <laughs> John will finally get a chance to say kung fu films, you know, uh, and all that and all that jazz. The only other digression I was going to say was when Harry was saying about Brosnan, um, <laughs> and that he is sort of 
I don't know. It's all on Goldeneye, isn't it? And then the rest seems to be, yeah, yeah, sort of, yeah, those are all right. They sort of pass the time, whatever. You said you'd recently seen The World Is Not Enough again, Harry, so just please give me any any hope or thoughts that you, you do still like that film. The World Is Not Enough review has come out now by the time you hear this, hasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I wasn't involved in that, so I've not had... I. I wanted to revisit it before I hear the episode about The World Is Not Enough. Yeah, I watched it just the other night, or maybe yesterday, I can't remember. In a nutshell, absolutely loved it. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Um, I really enjoyed the adventure. I loved Pierce Brosnan in it. I know there's the thing that Renard isn't that central to it, and, and but I, I was fine with that dynamic of the two villains together. I thought that worked, and you can't just have every Bond film the same and every villain the same and every setup the same. I understood it pretty well which I was pleased about, because I had a feeling that I might not understand it. I don't know if I remember not quite understanding it, but I was on with it this time. Join us for part three of our The Man With The Golden Gun review, where Bond meets Goodnight and Miss Anders, goes to Bottoms Up Strip Club, wears a third nipple at the High Fat Estate, and entertains himself in a little kung fu. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.